Do you feel like our world is in a constant state of crisis? You're not alone. Find out more about the crisis and how to respond on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr as we feature one of the great Bible teachers of our time, Dr. Michael Youssef. In his new book, he asked the question, is it possible our world has gone mad? We're under siege and the war is not from without, it is from within. The collapse of the Roman Empire occurred in a single generation and it was not so much the result of invasions by their enemies, but the result of moral decay and internal corruption. And similar patterns face America today. We neglected or abandoned our traditional institutions long ago and now it's time to take them back. Let me tell you about Dr. Youssef as we begin. Dr. Youssef is the founder and president of Leading the Way and the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Youssef is also the host of the popular TV and radio broadcast Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, which airs more than 13,000 times every week across six continents and 26 languages. Today, we'll discuss his new book, Hope for This Present Crisis. Dr. Youssef, welcome to A View from the Wall today. Thank you both so much. I appreciate you deeply for uh, having me on. Well, we are honored to have you with us today. You've put forth hope for this present crisis. You talk about writing the book during a global crisis, but not the coronavirus or economic shutdowns or some of the protests we've seen around the country. What crisis were you specifically talking about as you developed your book? It's a moral crisis. Uh, The moral crisis has been brewing for quite some time. And it came to a great explosion when everybody was uh, huddling in in the middle of this coronavirus. And we saw woke and social justice and the stuff known that has been taught in universities. And we thought that's where it's going to stay, whether it be critical race theory or the gender theory, and all these things have been taught for decades, but all of a sudden it burst into the streets of our country and burst into the culture itself. And so we have to address it as an issue that is threatening the very fabric of our society. Even in the past, there were some, you know, liberal and conservatives, like I'm thinking of Tip O'Neill and, and Ronald Reagan, they could disagree and uh, they, they, they lose a bill in, in the Congress, but then they go and have a beer and, and, and they talk uh, uh, as, a, as two gentlemen together uh, over issue. But this rancor, this hatred, this calling good evil, that is new and it's very, uh, very dangerous uh, in our culture and that we need to address it and we need to speak the truth in love. It's a, it's, a, it's a very tricky and a very delicate balance, speaking the truth in love, but we must master the art of speaking the truth in love. 
I love that you put it that way, Dr. Youssef, and this is not your position or ours, so I want to give you a chance to answer this, but you talk about the restoration of America. There are some who would argue that America is under God's judgment already because of recent laws like uh, same-sex marriage or legalizing abortion, things like that. What about that argument? Is it it too late for America? Well, it can be. Uh, Are we under judgment? Possibly. But is that an excuse for us to do nothing? But part of the problem, in fact, major part of the problem, is that through the years, we have done nothing. We, we, we saw with our own eyes how evil forces taken over academia through the years, and we did nothing. They have taken over the media, and we said nothing. They've taken over the education system, and we did nothing. And and is that really the right thing? Is that is is that what we're called to do? To be a salt and light, and we are supposed to be right in there to stop it from decaying. We're supposed to be right there to stop the darkness from continuing. And so to say, well, it's too far gone. It's under judgment. Is really a cop out. If God says yes, it's under judgment. It's too late. That's fine. But we are told by our Lord himself, occupy till I come. And I have done a very extensive study of that word. (laughs) It means to absolutely work your hardest, uh, work day and night, occupy until I come. Don't sit and do nothing until I come. He's saying work hard, be faithful till I come. And another occasion, Matthew 24, he said, Blessed is that faithful servant the whom the master, when he comes, find working and serving and faithfully uh, administering the gifts that God has given him. And so, it, you know, yes, it, it could be, under, we're, we're, it, you know, it's, it's too far gone. But that's not our call. That's God's call, God's decision. We don't know that. Until God speaks, we don't know. But what we are called to do is to uh, work, is to labor, is to faithfully serve, uh, give, uh, witness, proclaim, and say, thus says the Lord, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then the rest is up to God. Literally, every day, I pray for the return of the Lord. I will be happy if it is the next 10 minutes, just as we are talking <laughs> on, the, on this interview. Amen. I'll, I'll be the happiest man in the world. But at the same time, if it's not for 100 years, what am I going to do? Put on some white robes and head for the mountains? That's absolutely the wrong thing to do. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's the lazy thing to do, but it's also the wrong thing to do. I don't think the Lord would expect us to do that. He would want us to be working, serving, just like he did with the parable when told us in the parable of the talent. The man who had the five, he worked so hard the man, and doubled. The man who had the ten worked so hard and doubled. And the man who had the one, he said, look, I just buried it, and uh, here it is. And uh, he, he, he did not do very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well said. We're going to have to take a quick break and be back with you here on A View from the Wall. Stick with us.
From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. The people who left Egypt with Moses never made it to the Promised Land. Their descendants did, but they didn't, and this is why. They struggled to believe that God would never leave nor forsake them. The people with Moses cried out, saying, God rescued us from Egypt, but now He's forsaken us at the Red Sea. But God had not forsaken or forgotten them. Later they cried, God, you have forgotten, we need fresh water. And later, God, you have forgotten, we need bread. And later, God, you have forsaken us, for we have no meat. They continually doubted the goodness of God. Their faith was limited, and therefore, so was their progress. It's true, our attitude impacts our altitude. Watchmen, have hope. Remember, God does not forget nor forsake His people. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As Joe and I talk with Dr. Michael Youssef about hope for this present crisis, we want to discuss some of the seven steps he shares to restore order in a world gone mad. Dr. Youssef, as we go into detail on some of these seven steps, let me talk about is it truly possible to see some of these steps happen in our lifetime? What will it take? Well, it takes commitment. It takes uh, turning off the television and get out and do something. And <laughs> I wrote a book some years ago, uh, and the title of the book, it's really on the life of Joshua. You want me to do what? And uh, and the answer is the subtitle, uh, get off your blessed assurance and do something. <laughs> uh, and it was a great, uh, one of my great heroes, Charles Spurgeon. He concluded a challenge to his congregation. He kept saying, do something, do something, do something. So, you know, the, the, it's it just uh, as long as we're doing something. And, and I, under God, try to bring these seven issues that I believe are the core issues that are causing the demise of us as a nation that had come so far from being impacted by the scripture in the formation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we have come so far away from them. And and here's the seven ways which we can go back. Now, you notice, if you look at the seven items, I, I bookend them uh, by the church and the truth. Because without going back to the truth, and that's really the crisis today, the crisis is the crisis of the truth. You hear some people in the highest authority in the land literally tell a bold-faced lie. And then they kind of send somebody who said, well, you know, just misspoke. And that is, really a problem. We have uh, politicians and will say things and they said, well, you know, when he gets caught, they'll say, well, really, he didn't mean that. So the truth is a problem. And then that infection is infecting the church, sadly. And we are hearing falsehoods coming from pulpits. So the truth is really our number one crisis. And then uh, the church is really the burden of my heart. Because in reality, as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. And as goes the pew, so goes the culture. And this is really how it started. And if you think back in the 60s, when the 
gospel began to be watered down and the mainland denominations began to kind of compromise the gospel. And then now it continues to the so-called evangelical church. And I used to be part of the mainland denominations, by the way. And I saw that battle. I was in the middle of that battlefield back then in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And now I see it in the middle of the evangelical church where, well, we're not really sure. Uh, even the head of the largest Protestant denomination saying, well, you know, Jesus whispered when he spoke about moral issues and moral sin. And that that is the language that was spoken by the mainland denominational leaders back in the 70s. Yes. And so we, I'm, I'm hearing this as almost like uh, Groundhog Day. I'm, uh, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm deja vu all over again. Right. I'm hearing it from the evangelicals. I said, I've been in that war. I have the scars to prove it. And, and so I'm, I am pleading with pastors and with young pastors to get back to the truth. Stop following this woke culture. Stop following this popular, you know, social justice and critical race theory and go back to the gospel of salvation that cost our Lord the leaving of the glories of heaven and coming to earth and dying on a cross and rising again and ascending to heaven and coming back soon to judge the world. That is the gospel. That's what we call to do. And we are called to be at enmity with the world, not friends with the world, because when we are friendly with the world, we are at enmity with God. Now, which one do you choose? And so the seven issues with the education, environment, and all the other things, they really are bookend by the two things, the truth and the church are the two most important items that we need to be burdened by, working hard for, and concerned about. You talk about so many of those issues in the book about the schools and about the critical theory and things that are being taught and several that you mentioned, but so many of those apply to uh, rule number three, or the step number three that you put in there, revitalize the family. The family seems to be such a target for the enemy. What, why is that so important to those who would dismantle America? Uh, absolutely. I mean, everything from the legal, from the, the, the Supreme Court decision about the homosexual marriage to that group of people who choose a good word, a, an, an, an appropriate term like Black Lives Matter. And I tell people, look at my skin. I'm an African. I was born in Africa. Black lives do matter. Every life matters. But go beyond the slogan and look at the people who founded the movement. They are anti-family. They're anti-nuclear family. They they want to destroy the family. That That's who the founders are. And uh, as, as much as they talk about social justice, uh, uh, the co-founder uh, got so much money that she could buy a $4.5 million house in California. The hypocrisy behind all this. And so th- the family is God's idea, and we must defend it. And just because something legal, it doesn't mean that is not a sin. <laughs> Abortion is legal, but it's a sin. Homosexuality is legal, but it's a sin. And I guarantee you, the next thing is going to be polyamory and marrying of three people or four people, and it's going to be more, get worse and worse and worse. But we need to go back and saying no. 
He made the man and woman, and he is the one who ordained the marriage between a, now I have to be careful to say, a heterosexual that is born male and born female. Yes. <laughs> and all with this, all this trans stuff, uh, to, for life. That's, that's God's ideal for humanity. He's the creator. He created us. And he said, this is my ideal for my creation. And to mess around with his ideal is to tamper with his creation and therefore to tamper with the peace and with the joy and with the happiness. And that is why, uh, if you look at the UK or, and I, I quote these statistics, or the US, depression, uh, stress, and and suicide is all on the rise. Uh, back in the 70s, I think there was something like 4 to 10% uh, uh, depression, both in the UK and the United States. Now, it's third uh, of the population. And it goes on and on and on. So I, I wish, I mean, if they can say, oh, we are a more happy society. And uh, because we've done these things, but they can't. They would be lying, but we are not happy. And the more we depart from God's ideal, the worse our condition, depression and suicide. And so I am basically appealing to go back to God's ideal uh, in, in terms of the truth, the church, the family, education, training of the children, and so on. Well, that's well said. And you've been listening to Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall. Jesus is coming again in an event known as the Rapture. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Rapture kits are designed to help believers reach out to those lost before the rapture and provide spiritual and practical information for those still here afterwards. Included in the Rapture Kit is a wealth of information on what the rapture is and how to prepare for what is to come. The Rapture Kit also includes several Bibles, ebooks, audio and video sermons on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk and discipleship material, all preloaded on a 32 gigabyte flash drive. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of Christ followers and ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. Welcome back to A View from the Wall in our final segment today with Dr. Michael Youssef with Leading the Way. We want to talk about hope and troubling times. It's been said a person can go weeks without food, three days without water, but only seconds without hope. Dr. Youssef, so many feel hopeless and powerless to change what seems impossible and overwhelming in our world today, including a virus they can't even see. What is the hope for those who are searching? Well, the, the first thing I can say is... <laughs> Remember that we have a big God. Yes. The very first thing that dims the hope is when you begin to think that your God is so small. That is the thing that's 
they're literally going to dim your hope. You're going to say, well, I am hopeless. I'm one person. What can I do? Well, I can walk you through history and I can show you that one woman started the entire nursing movement and, 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 and one man, but it took him 23 years at Wilberforce and he got alienated from his family and friends, but he single-handedly outlawed this horrible practice of the buying and selling of human beings and, and, and the trading of slaves. And then go, I can go on and on and on. So one person can make a difference, but you have to start by saying, how big is my God? Not how big I am, because none of us are. I mean, I am a, I'm a simple immigrant who, when I left Egypt uh, 30, well, 50 now, goodness, time flies, it's 53 years ago, I could hardly put two sentences together. But I had a big God, I believed in a big God at the age of 73. We're now reaching 3.9 billion people on 23 of the most spoken languages 13,000 times a week. Now, I would never have dreamed of being accomplishing these things without my big God. It's my big God who did this, not me. And so I am appealing to people that it starts with your hope will absolutely dim. If you stop thinking about who your God is, and you have a mighty God, a powerful God, this almighty God, his name is El Shaddai, that is the God of power and might, and you start there, and when you start there and you continue there, there is no limit of what God can use you to do. Everybody is listening to us right now. I don't care, men, women, boys, girls. Uh, everyone who's listening to us right now and would ask God, what would you have me do and genuinely seek God, God will show you. He will have you do something. And we're not all going to do the same thing, but he has something for every one of us to do. And when that happens, when every one of us asks God the question and God will, will direct us, I promise you, we will, we will literally revolutionize the world. But the problem is, we all got saying, well, you know, I'm just a little me. What can I do? And, 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 and we began to dim our hope because we began to think of how little our God is. Dr. Yusuf, thank you so much for being the clarion call that you are and for this book, This Present Crisis, attacks some of the poignant issues of our time, but you don't just leave people hopeless. You give a plan and steps to bring about change and give us each something we can do, and you've addressed that so well today. We have a group of people who listen to our program that we refer to as watchmen and women in these last days. They watch world events, witness to their friends and neighbors, and, and warn about what's coming. So what word of encouragement and challenge do you have for our watchmen as they seek to finish well amidst the present crisis and what the Bible calls the last days? Well, the most important thing is, I can tell you, and it's really the subject of my book that comes out in March, never, never, never give up. And no matter how much discouragement you'll face, and look, we all face discouragement. I wrote a biography a few years ago, about eight years ago, uh, entitled Trust and Obey, because one of the, my pastors that I have, we have 15 pastors on our team here at the church, 
and he listened to my uh, story and he said, you know, your story just reminds me of the old song, Trust and Obey. So that became the title of the book. But I have faced so many discouragements uh, in my life, and I share all of these in that book, Trust and Obey. So I decided to write this book from, uh, from Second Timothy, particularly to pastors and young pastors. Never give up. And, and, and look, we all face discouragement. I faced them, you'll face them, and I will face them again, even at 73. <laughs> um, but don't let those discouragements slow you down. So all the watchmen on the wall, please stay alert, stay focused, know that God is watching. And he and, and when he said not a glass of cold water is going to be wa- is wasted or it's not going to go unrewarded, just think about that. Not a cup of water that you would offer in his name would be wasted. How much more you watching, uh, being a watchman on the wall, and, 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 and uh, the, again, the Lord said to Ezekiel, when you watch and you warn and something the person doesn't take notice, and then that person perishes, his blood is on his hand. But if you don't warn them, and then you perish, you blood on your hand. And so I know that these faithful folks the work with you, doctor, is that their blood is not on their hand because they are faithful people. So I want to tell them, keep on keeping on, keep your eyes up on the, on the sky because he's around the corner. He said, when you see all these signs of the birth pains, know that he is at the door. And he's at the door, and our reward is going to be with him. Hey Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Michael Youssef, author of the book, Hope for This Present Crisis. We want to encourage you to go to thepresentcrisis.com where you can find out more about the book, download a sample chapter, or order a copy for yourself and those you love. I also want to encourage you to check out his ministry's website at Leading the Way. It's ltw.org. Again, it's ltw.org. And we want to thank you, Dr. Youssef, for joining us today. You've been such a blessing. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you both for having me. Of course. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today on A View from the Wall. Listen again at IamAWatchman.com. And we look forward to being with you again next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.